0: From New York City, this is the NYC Zone Team's podcast, a show where we discuss everything about New York City real estate
1: and much more. You have questions, we have answers.
2: And now, here are your hosts,
1: John and Nikolai.
2: All right, so here we are with another episode with John and Nikolai with the NYC Zone Team. We have a special guest in here today, um, actually over the phone. We're going to get in contact with him right now. Uh, his name is Nick Shear uh, from, where is he from? Shear, C, he's a CPA from his own uh, company, it looks like. So let's get him over the phone and see here. 212.
1: That's All like right. the moment when I silence uh, the numbers that you pronounce. <laughs>
2: Hopefully this works out. We've actually never have done the phone to podcast, like to the microphone here. So. Hello, Nick. Hello, Nick. This is John and Nikolai with the NYC Zone team. at am Williams. How you doing, man? I am well. How are you, gentlemen? Doing good. Doing good. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Cool. Hold up. Let me close the door over here. For
1: some so we do have the mic rolling already. But I guess John will have to do some cutting and editing. <laughs> okay.
2: okay, so today's topic, what we're talking about, is renting versus buying. Uh, Nick uh, was actually at, here at the Killer Williams office kind of giving us a breakdown of the differences of renting and buying and also kind of describing and how to essentially... Generate wealth with different types of strategies and tactics that I think were really great, and we wanted him to be a part of the podcast. So I want to thank you so much for being a part of the podcast, Nick. Do you want to you want to share a little bit about uh, your background, your business, and all that kind of stuff? Sure.
0: Well, thanks for having me, guys. I am I'm a tax dude. Um. <laughs> in New York City and was recruited into the Ernst & Young Real Estate Private Equity Tax Group um, at the age of 21 and have been working on real estate deals ever since. I um, got my teeth there and in other national firms and then about eight years ago started my, my CPA firm Sharon Associates. And along the way, um, I'm very proud to say that I have helped my clients make the transition from renters to buyers. And one of the main reasons for doing so is folks are always asking me, hey, Nick, how can I pay less taxes? Right. And my answer is simple. Well, there's a million things that we can do to achieve that. One of which is, well, let us purchase our home rather than rent and let us use the interest that we pay to finance that acquisition as a tax deduction, giving us a pretty good tax yield.
2: Right. But that's just a part of it. Right. Exactly. Um, I, and I think we come across a lot of people who are looking to buy uh, that are currently renting, and I think it's really hard for them to really understand exactly um, why they should be paying more per month versus just keeping their rent at a lower price when I, I think you explained it perfectly. When last time you were here, if someone's paying thirty five hundred dollars a month for, let's say, a one bedroom here in Manhattan, and but when they go and they do, go, but they're going to buy something, it's an additional two or maybe three thousand dollars a month. Why should they? You know, why should they buy versus rent in in this scenario?
0: And I think we, in that presentation, created a very mechanical approach to answering that question.
2: Correct. And that
0: mechanical approach really identified three different components that make this analysis very sweet. And yes, sweet is my professional term. <laughs> um, so it starts with, well, you're exactly correct. And we're going to use very rough numbers. And we advise anyone who is really interested in this to sit down with yourselves and maybe their tax professional and look and develop a more concrete model for their particular acquisition. But just from a high level, I think let's identify the individual who's renting a one-bedroom in Murray Hill and paying $3,500 in rent. Right. Let's assume they have a down payment and they go ahead and they buy the equivalent one-bedroom in Murray Hill. And now all of a sudden they have a mortgage payment and a maintenance payment and those two come out to about 5500 Okay. Well, the first part of that that they need to understand is how much interest are they paying? And the reason why we want to know that is, well, the interest is tax deductible and will effectively either reduce how much they owe or create refund. Cash in their pocket but
2: it's not felt on a monthly basis. Right. Uh, quick question, Nick. On in, in, piggybacking off of the interest uh, that you that one pays on a mortgage, I believe with the new Trump tax plan that came out, isn't there limits of like what kind of mortgage you could take out, and and uh, does it put a cap on that? It does. It does.
0: However, I want to go through my example. Okay. And then I'll explain how this changed from 17 to 18. I think that may provide our listeners with a more concrete understanding of the mechanics
2: here. Okay, sounds good.
0: So let's stick with that 3,500 a month versus 5,500. And again, these are very very rough examples, and custom modeling is advised before someone goes ahead and makes a purchase. Sure. The first thing that we want to understand as well. Of that mortgage payment, how much of that mortgage payment is interest? And let's assume that it's a $4,000 a month mortgage payment. And let's assume that it is a $1,500 a month maintenance. Okay. Versus 3500 in rent. So we are coming up with $2,000 extra cash. Let's also assume that this is a $750,000 mortgage.
2: Okay.
0: At 4%. Okay. So, if you have a $4,000 a month mortgage payment, and it's for 750 at approximately 4%, and any of our listeners checking a mortgage calculator would very easily tell that this came my rear end this particular example so again it's just (laughs) to explain the mechanics of this
2: sure so 750 at four percent
0: means that 30,000 or 2,500 of that four thousand dollar mortgage payment is applied to interest okay so that 30,000 dollar interest payment is a federal and state tax deduction Anyone who's in a position to finance a property like this probably makes $200,000 a year or so. And so between – maybe they make $300,000 a year. Anyone in that range is paying about 40% federal and state tax. Maybe it's a little higher. Maybe it's a little lower. But for purposes of understanding the mechanics here, we'll call it 40%. That means – that forty percent of thirty thousand, because we get a deduction for thirty thousand, is going to save us forty percent of thirty thousand, or twelve thousand dollars.
2: So that,
0: so that means our combined federal and state taxes will be twelve thousand dollars less because of that thirty thousand dollar mortgage interest deduction. So all of a sudden the 5500 that we're paying per month mm-hmm. is reduced by the $1000 in tax benefit that we feel per month.
2: Sure. Okay.
0: So now we're at 3500 versus 4500 of monthly cash outflow less the tax benefit. Okay. But let's go back to that $4000 mortgage payment. Because if twenty five hundred of that is interest, then that means the other side of that is principal pay down. Sure. So every single month when someone makes a four thousand dollar mortgage payment, they're paying down their mortgage by fifteen hundred bucks. And that is fifteen hundred bucks being added to their wealth. Right. However, Additional wealth is very illiquid, right? It's in the equity of the home, which we can only access by selling the home or getting a home equity line, and those are things that we're likely
2: going to do. Sure, and it's essentially kind of like you, like you said before, it's like getting money from one pocket and putting it into the next. Where
0: previously we were taking that money and throwing it to our landlord. Correct. It wasn't going in our pocket.
2: Correct. So,
0: so that $1,500... Takes the forty five hundred down to three thousand dollars. Okay. All of a sudden, on a cash flow discounted for tax benefit, discounted for monthly cash outflow, all of a sudden that net number is less than the cost of renting. Because now we're at thirty five hundred versus three thousand. That's correct. And oh yeah, what's that thing that happens with real estate? Oh yeah, it goes up.
2: <laughs> so on top of that, so you got appreciation. I was
0: forgetting for a second. Right. Um, so we buy real estate, and through asset appreciation, mm-hmm. the value of it goes up. So okay. let's assume we bought a place for nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars. We put two hundred down and borrowed seven fifty. Okay. Now guys say is the average price appreciation that Manhattan or New York City has experienced over the last
2: decade. Well, I mean, in New York City, it looks like it's say, around 3-4% to 4% appreciation more or less. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Nikolai. I'm sure you've seen the numbers as well.
1: Yeah, I think uh, for last year, we looked somewhere at 4.5%. Uh,
0: well, that makes this So let's, because if it continues to go up the way it has in the past, and let's think about that 4.5%. I'm going to whip out my trusty calculator, and we're going to multiply 950,000 times 4.5%. That equals $42,000 per year of
2: appreciation. Right. Right, exactly. And if we discount
0: $4,000 by month, right, divide 42 divided by 12, we get
2: 3500 per
0: month. Right. So now our $3,000 that we've spent on monthly cash outflow fifty five hundred less the thousand of tax benefit less the fifteen hundred of principal pay down leaves us at three thousand. Right. Well, if this is going up four and a half percent per year, then we're living there for free when we factor in that price appreciation. Because the forty two divided by twelve is thirty five hundred.
2: Right. And I think and this is the number you got from the nine from the nine fifty, correct?
0: Nine fifty times four and a half percent. Yeah. Divided by twelve, so we can figure out. Hey, if this home, if we bought it for nine fifty, and we hold it for ten years, or we hold it for fifteen
2: years, and it goes
0: to two million, that million dollars, well, how much of that is accruing per month?
2: Correct, and that's
0: that's where this becomes a no brainer. Why doesn't everyone do this? (laughs) Three reasons: they don't have the down payment. Sure. They don't have the credit. And they don't have the broker to help them think this way. And that's where I think you guys really have a really solid approach because, well, when someone's renting, you guys have to give them the goal of how much they need to save up. And then you guys need to put them in a position where they're a tier one borrower so they get the best interest rate. And you guys have the relationships, whether it's with Republic Bank or any other financial institution, to make sure they're a quality borrower.
2: Correct. And then you
0: teach them how to begin looking for property. Correct. And you hold their hands until they identify the property that they fall in love with.
2: Right. And by that
0: point, everything's lined up. Correct. And where does it all start with this first analysis that you guys do for them, which starts with hey, where are you living? How much would an equivalent apartment cost you right now? We begin this analysis and Mm -hmm. give them a step by step approach to turn them from renters to buyers.
2: Right. And essentially, grow their own wealth as well.
0: Absolutely. And that's, that's. I get involved, right. because that's where high-class problems are achieved. Oh, man, I'm about to sell it, and we made too much money, and now we're going to have to pay taxes on the back end. Oh right. shucks. <laughs> I promise you and every listener on this call, I will not feel bad for any of you.
1: <laughs>
0: you will not get an ounce of sympathy out of me. You will get every ounce of energy to minimize that tax. <laughs> but no
2: sympathy whatsoever. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, one thing I want to point out is um, is that that 4.5% on the $950,000 example, you know, that's like you mentioned before uh, when you came over here, you mentioned that that's leverage, you know, cuz you only put down 200,000, but you're not making 4.5% on your 200,000, you're making 4.5% on 950,000 in this in this type of example. So it's a strong leverage uh, in, this, in, in receiving money in return and in, in appreciation in, in, in this type of example, wouldn't you say? Completely. I think this particular leverage, right,
0: because we are, and you identified it perfectly, it's 4.5% of 950000 Right, which is that we're getting even though we only put down 200,000. Right. So when we look at 200 versus 950, that's a 4.5x multiple. just so happens that it's 4.5 and 4.5%. <laughs> really, this 200,000 that you put down is growing at closer to 17, 18, 19% because of that leverage. And that same dynamic, that same levered return. Where if the stock market is doing twelve percent, but you're levered up
2: five x on four percent, you're doing twenty percent. Right, which which is going to lead me to the next thing because we do have some people who are like, you know what, I don't want to buy because I feel I feel like if I put two hundred thousand dollars down on a twenty percent, let's say off of, of a property of a million dollars as an example, you know, with that two hundred thousand, I can make twenty percent in the market. Why am I going to put it down on a home?
0: And so, in reality, and I I, I think we discussed this before. Yeah. Let's start with this. Folks that genuinely earn 20% on an annual basis are few and far between.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Correct.
0: Those are, if we're talking basketball, those are the NBA players. Sure. And most people don't work with NBA players. Most... Folks play with somebody who played basketball in high school or college, sure. or maybe their rec center or something like that. Right. So let's understand: we don't plan for outliers, and any particular investor who is at twenty percent crushing the market.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Those oh. folks. They are somebody that I, I don't think this analysis is for.
2: Right, but you know, but but it's on, still possible. Sure. It's still
0: possible because what needs to be done, and any investor who is making 20% knows how to f- do financial modeling. And a financial model needs to be built that takes everything into account how much money they're pissing away on rent, and what the future returns on that could be if levered up properly. Right. and we look and for them for those folks that get outsized returns they need a more robust model that takes future investment earnings and discounting that into account and we can certainly do that and so for any um, person that's listening mm-hmm. and they wouldn't be listening because the market's
2: open right now and to get 20%
0: you gotta, <laughs> you gotta be heads
2: down pretty much pretty much But but what you were saying earlier you know With two hundred thousand down, you pretty much you you said that um, we since essentially we are leveraging with the money that we had. You said in one year, if we're making a four point five percent return on the on the leveraged amount, it's almost about seventeen to twenty percent, which is almost as similar to if they were to get just twenty percent off of two hundred thousand. So I feel like it's almost the same thing. Wouldn't you say? I don't know.
1: Almost. (laughs) And uh, on top of it, I mean, in my opinion, uh, I've spoken with multiple savvy investors. I feel that even though real estate is a conservative investment, a lot of them do want to diversify it and just, uh, you know, have, have another line of investments that are a little bit more conservative. Absolutely. I think for those
0: folks, and I just... I don't want to turn this segment into (laughs) focusing on the few that really uh, are on the edge. Mm -hmm. Um, For those folks, if it's 20 versus 20, they're going to go with equities. They're going to go with equities because those equities are far more liquid and have far less exit costs.
2: Sure. Okay. That makes sense. The
0: world's burning. They press a button. They sell their equity, and they sell it for cheap, and they walk away.
2: Sure. Okay. That makes sense.
0: And so for those guys... But those guys, again, they're few and far between. Right. What we're really focusing on is that management consultant who's making $250,000 and spending that has $150,000 saved up,
2: sure. mm-hmm.
0: that has good credit and is looking to build wealth. One of the first avenues that he should consider building wealth is by monetizing his largest or one of his largest expenditures, which is his rent.
2: Right, exactly. And
0: how could we turn our rent expense into a
2: wealth building cash flow expenditure? That's what we're doing. Right, and which, which is going to lead me to my next question because um, people are, are some, well, some people are aware about the capital gains tax. And um, in this scenario, what, what do you think would be the best type of strategy to avoid paying the tax with the capital gain tax? So,
0: it's not exactly a strategy. It's mm-hmm. more of, and, and I think this is where things are so sweet and this is where we possibly get an edge over that investor making 20%. Okay. So let's say we buy it for 950 and we sell it for 1.6. Okay. The price went up six hundred and fifty, but we're going to have costs um, to achieve all of this to sell it. The broker costs, the transfer taxes, a little bit to the attorney. They walk away with five hundred thousand dollars of gain.
2: Okay.
0: If this is a married couple, under Internal Revenue Section one twenty one. There is a gain-on-sale exclusion for a primary residence when you lived in that primary residence for two out of the five years immediately preceding the sale of $250,000 per spouse. So if it was a married couple that bought that apartment and has $500,000 of gains, when they get that huge check, when they sell that apartment from the attorney, all of it is tax-free let's say they made a million net gain, then they're only paying tax on 500000 of it. Right. So purchasing your primary residence is something that is advantaged from a tax code perspective. We really want to understand that tax tries to control behavior, right? Mm-hmm. Governments feel that Folks that grow up in a home that is owned by their parents tend to have higher rates of education, lower rates of crime, and are generally viewed as more productive members of society.
2: Right. I think
0: nearly every study has held that to be true. Right. And so what governments do is they look to incentivize the behavior that they think provide for a better economy and a better society. And so the tax code is the main way that governments incentivize individuals. Right. And tax has always been very favorable to real estate. It is exceptionally favorable to real estate when it's your primary residence because of 121. A couple of years ago, the IRS for real estate investors passed very favorable repair regulations that the real estate industry lobbied very hard for. And 2018 tax reform has done nothing but increase the benefit from a tax perspective of investing in real estate. So if I'm running, I want the wind at my back, and the wind, the tax wind, is at the back of real estate. Right. Okay. And uh, it has been there for a long time, and I see no, absolutely no change
2: in that coming. Okay. Um, just to kind of go back to what we were saying before
1: yeah. in regards to the Trump tax plan. Correct. Just curious. Uh, you did, know, a did, lot of people are asking us right now, like, how it, how does it affect us now? What has changed for us? Does it still make sense for us to buy, and uh, are we capped at any point of deductions?
0: Great questions, and timing-wise, I think it fits quite neatly into what we're presenting. Mm -hmm. So let's start with what changed. And 2017 and before, folks were able to deduct mortgage interest up to a million dollars, have an additional $100,000 of home equity line of credit indebtedness, and were able to deduct real estate taxes, in full, with the only limitation being AMT. We're not going to get into AMT today, but right. <laughs> for, it's a mechanism that causes folks to pay more taxes. Okay. So when we went through our rent versus buy analysis, and we went through the numbers, and I talked about the tax benefit, I did not mention the tax benefit of the real estate tax deduction, the amount that's embedded in that. maintenance charge the majority of which is real estate and the reason why I did not is anyone who could afford an apartment like this who is in this income range has historically been in the AMT and what that meant was they were not getting the benefit of real estate tax deduction anyway it was not helping them so the perception of most tax paying folks is, oh my God, I lost the deduction. The reality is, oh my God, I lost the deduction that I never got the benefit of.
2: <laughs> right.
0: And I think most folks, when they're looking at 2018 tax reform, they're assuming that they were getting the benefit of that state tax deduction. And how do I know that that's true? Because. I had so many of my clients, specifically in Westchester, calling me up December 26th, 27th, right after Cuomo got on television and said, Hey, I bought the IRS, and you guys can go ahead and prepay your real estate taxes. And I, I'm getting all these calls from my clients, and they're saying, Hey, we, we drove by the county assessor's office, and there's a line down the block of folks holding $40,000 checks to prepay their taxes for 2018.
2: Oh, wow.
0: Why aren't you telling me to do that? And I said, very, very simple. They're all shmucks, and Cuomo's a jerk. Here's why they should have said, Hey, consult your tax advisor. If you're in the AMT, all you're doing is giving New York State an interest free loan. Why would you prepay something that you're not getting the benefit of? Oh, wow. Not true for everyone, and
2: mm-hmm.
0: to be fair to Cuomo, he's not in the business of giving tax advice. And most people should always consult their tax advisor on a particular move. But let's take three of my clients, for example. Now, these are three clients that are brothers,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and each one is more remarkable than the next. So, one of the brothers who makes about a half million dollars a year calls me and says, Hey, should I prepay my real estate taxes? And I said, No. He goes, why not? Everyone's doing it. And I, I said to him, well, you're in the AMT tax, and we ran your projection for 2017. You will be in the AMT tax. You're not going to get the benefit of it. And you're a talented investor. Why are you going to give them an interest free loan when you could simply hold on to that money for three months, six months, a year, until it's actually due? And he said,
2: oh, good point. And make 20% Dad. off of it, baby. <laughs>
0: dollars a year, they're not buying real estate for
2: tax benefit. <laughs> right.
0: The tax benefit wasn't driving their decision. Mhm. But for the folks that are making this transition from rent to buy, it has no impact on them, but the reduction from $1.1 million to $750,000. Because let's take that Murray Hill purchase, and let's say it wasn't a one-bedroom, let's say it was a Two bedroom that they bought for $1.35 mm-hmm. And they put $250,000 down and they borrowed $1.1. Right. So previously they were able to, again at 4%, previously under old tax law, they would have been able to deduct $40,000 of mortgage interest instead of twenty. Their $12,000 of tax saving would have been $16,000. And on a monthly basis, that $1,000 of tax benefit that they're getting would have been 1250 right? or so. Now, is that material? Yes. How material is that? How material is $250, $300 a month? Well, for folks that are buying a property for a million bucks a year, $250 a month is one night out
2: sure
0: so i don't think that that sort of economic reality changes the nature of the acquisition but all folks know is that hey i'm losing a deduction and this taxes aren't as sweet anymore and so anyone that's listened to this podcast so far well how much has it really changed for the average buyer and so for anyone that's buying something at a million bucks and putting $200,000, they are not losing anything. It's really for makes folks that were buying properties and borrowing over $1 million.
1: Makes sense.
0: They're losing $250 a month or so.
2: Okay. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense, actually. Um,
0: and that's why, that's why I think it's so important to really, you know, men lie, women lie, newscasters lie, numbers don't. Run the numbers, folks. The numbers very well may surprise you and have you say something like "shit." <laughs> I should have done this a long time ago.
1: Right. That's, numbers uh, never lie. And that's how I felt when you came and gave the presentation. I was like, "Wow!" I just had my eyes opened up.
2: Yes, I think I think um, a lot of pe- I think this is going to benefit a lot of people. This podcast. Um, and opening their eyes, kind of how it opened mine and, and Nikolai's eyes when you passed by. Nick, if, if anyone want to get in contact with you, what is the best way for them to reach you?
0: I think an email would always be best. Um, I think a okay. thoughtful email explaining their situation and what they're looking for and if it's a good fit.
2: Right. And
0: whether it's a good fit or not, I always email back. But if it's a client in a situation where I feel I'm excited about it and can provide a lot of value... Okay. They should email n-i-c-k at s-h-e-r hyphen
2: c-p-a dot com. That's nick at share dash c-p-a dot com. Beautiful, beautiful. I think, um, I think that's pretty great. Nick, thank you this, so much for this being. Was, yeah, this yes. was a
1: ton of information. Thank you so much for taking half an hour out of your day. And um, I'm sure people will be reaching out.
2: Correct, 100%. Thanks so much for, uh, for passing by, Nick. And um, for all our listeners that are out there um, who are listening to this podcast, of course, make sure to follow us on all our social media, on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Instagram. And also make sure to follow, follow our website. Uh, check it out at nycapartmentzone.com. And I think that wraps it up for today. And um, we'll catch you on the next episode. Take care, everyone. Thanks a lot, Nick.
0: Bye, guys. Thanks bye, for having me. NYC Apartment Zone, Ooh. NYC Apartment Zone